Welcome to The Word, people, where we bring you straight up Sales 411. You get to chill and hang with the best and the brightest in the sales industry. And we don't do it boring, we do it with swagger. So let's go, people, it is on. What's up, peeps? This is Keenan. Welcome to The Word, where we actually talk about sales in a non-boring, non-old-school, snooze-you-to-sleep fashion. We're about making it happen, making it loud. And I'm excited because it's been a while, but I'm excited for our guest today. Our guest is Scott Ingram. He is the host of the Sales Success Stories podcast. Why I'm excited to have him, folks, is because he does something that nobody else does, and I wanted to talk about that. He actually talks about people in the field. His podcast interviews the 1% or the number one salesperson in an organization to find out what they're doing to win, find out what they're doing to be the best and how they got to be the best. So with that, Scott, my man, welcome and thank you. Thanks, Kenan. Great to be here. Yes, this is going to be good, brother. This is going to be good. Tell everybody a little bit about, you know, sort of who you are, uh, where you are now, what's going on with your big bad self? Yeah, let me give you the, the history of, of Scott in, in a, a short version, and I'll tell you just a little bit about the history of the podcast, too, because I, I think that's really relevant and we'll set up what we're going to talk about. So I am a professional seller myself. Uh, I do enterprise sales in a, for a services organization right now. I spent about the last 10 years in the marketing technology space. So I worked for Bizarre Voice. They went public. I worked with Eloqua. We went public and then got acquired by Oracle. And then I, I played with a, a couple of other smaller players. And then right now, wait, last two years. Wait, you didn't get to retire? Wait, you didn't get to retire after all that? <laughs> you got to be early. You got to be Ooh, early. And I was not man. early enough. <laughs> you were just telling me how you're always on time. And now look, you're late twice. When That's right. You, yeah. <laughs> when it mattered. When it mattered, for sure. So, so these days, um, it, it's interesting. I'm in a role where I, I love Eloqua. That was probably the favorite product that I ever sold. And the people that I worked with were fantastic. And I just the, the work that I do now is the closest I can possibly work with Eloqua without having to work for Oracle. I fit much better in a, a smaller organization, having 130,000 colleagues and all of the bureaucracy that goes with that, not, not really my gig. Uh, so in, in that role, I'm actually, I've evolved into, and they asked me to step into a strategic account role last year. So I manage our 15 largest accounts. They're basically all Fortune 500 accounts. And we have a we have a ton of fun, and and it's created the freedom for me uh, to get this podcast thing off the ground. We started it about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and it, it was really just about scratching my own itch. You know, I have consumed gobs of sales content. I've read your book, Keenan. I've read many sales books. Good you know, man. I, I've I've Good I've man. grabbed a lot of this stuff, but what always felt like was missing to me. I, I think the the speed at which sales is changing right now is accelerating. And I'm like, all the books and all this stuff is great, but it's, it's dated. And I wanted to hear from the guys who were the very best right now. What, what the heck are they doing? If you sold $3 million worth of SaaS software last year, how the heck did you do that? So that's really the game. I, like you said, I only talk to number one or top 1% individual contributors. It's all individual contributors. There's other shows. If you want to learn about sales leadership and marketing oper or sales operations and all that stuff, that's, that's for somebody else. This is about learning directly from the best of the best. And then learning from a variety of 
roles. So I've interviewed SDRs. I've interviewed big, big whale hunter enterprise sales folks and a lot of different industries because I think there's, there's things that we can learn. Oftentimes we get so trapped in the space that we're in. Uh, we, we need to be infused with some new ideas. So, all right. So in your, <clears throat> excuse me, in your introduction, you said all this came to you and something happened around 2009. What happened in 2009? Yeah. So 2009, um, I, had, I had this idea um, and it was, I, I went to an event here in Austin called Austin Under 40. And what happens at that event is there is, uh, they, they bring together, they've got 20 different categories. Wait, you were under 40 in 2009? I was under 40 until last Damn. year. <laughs> oh, God, I wish I were you. Shoot, I was 41 in 2009. Good God. Man, to be young again. All right, keep going. Keep yeah, going. yeah. Well, I want to make sure I'm telling the right story. What are you hinting at? So you talked about some big event in your thing in 2009 when you got the idea for this and all started. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I was on the, on the right track and you're not referring to some other like thing I buried in my closet in 2009. Well, maybe, Ooh, maybe there is. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see if we get there. So I, I went to Austin under 40 and it, the format was really interesting, right? They had like 10 different categories, a few finalists in every category. And so 50 people show up, they bring all their friends, 800 people walk into this event. And I went, wow, like this model is fascinating, but what, what I saw, the application that I saw was, why doesn't this exist in sales? Why isn't there an event that recognizes top salespeople? And, you know, I, I think salespeople, we're very simple beings. Like I have two buttons and you can press either one. I like them both. I have a cash button. Please press that, press hard. And I have a recognition button. And the recognition button for most salespeople doesn't get pressed very often. You know, you go to club and the people in your company know who you are, but where's the exposure beyond that? And, and I believe top salespeople are the heroes of the organizations and that recognition doesn't exist more broadly. So at that time, I registered the domain name, the Rainmaker Awards. And I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build this giant event. Well, I work in sales. I'm busy. I don't have time for that. And it was, it was a few a years ago. Exactly. Events take a lot of work. It was a few years ago, I really got into podcasts and something clicked and I went, wait a minute. The whole reason I'm trying to do that event is to, is to hear the stories from the people that we put on the stage. So I'm like, why don't we skip the hard part and go right at the, the stories and what makes us people tick and what they're doing. Like literally, what are you doing? And we go deep. You know, I'm a big fan of the, the Tim Ferriss show, super long interviews, right? I don't want to scratch the surface. I want to tear it apart. I want to understand like, okay, you wake up, what time does that happen? Then what happens? And just walking through the process. How are you structuring your day? How are you structuring your week? How are you getting this all done? I mean, that, because if you read a lot of sales books or you listen to, to audio and other stuff, there's a thousand great ideas out there. How do you bring it all together? How do you assemble it? Exactly. How do you, how do you bring all of those ideas in, you know, the 24 hours a day, seven days a week and make it work and get to the top? And that's, that's what it's all about. And I love it. I, I, I think you are spot on the idea that, look, well, I want to ask this question in a second, but the idea that the people doing the work don't get as much of the exposure as they should. Now, with that said, people, it shouldn't take a Scott Ingram and a podcast to get you exposure. Why? Because they should be writing about that shit every day right now anyways, okay? 
the show, the tell me economy is over. So just because you've been president's club 10 years in a row, because you're the number one rapper in the top 1%, you can't keep banking on that. It's a whole side thing, but listen, every one of you will listen. If you are a top rep, you need to be out there sharing your secrets, not just on, on Scott's show, but you need to have a blog, you need to be on LinkedIn, and you need to be showing what you do and teaching every freaking day. Because if you are that good, and you build reach and a brand, forget about it. You will be it like 10 times over, 10 times over. Because look, you know, it's funny. And, and you asked this question. So here's, I mean, you said this on your thing. You said, oh, I don't want the experts. I don't want all these talking heads. Most of this shit's really old, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm one of those talking heads. I'm one of those talking heads, right? So is there really a difference between the people who do it and the people who tell you how to do it? Yes, right. I, it, it, it's the balance, right? I think if you go back to what the challenge is, the, the reason they're not blogging and, and doing all of the other work, they're busy, you know, to no, be, no, to no, no, I love be, you, I love you, but no, I started my blog when I was vice president of sales for a fortune 500. I found the time, but as yep. you Yep. And, and you can. So, so don't get me wrong. It's absolutely possible. And you know who's doing it best of, of the folks that have been on my show. So Kyle Gutzler, he doubled his sales in one year and he documented his process. He's like, here's what I did. Here it is. It's all on, it's all on LinkedIn, right? So Kyle's doing it. Kyle's been on the show and has been promoted and got a new job and is, is growing and accelerating in his career. So it's absolutely possible. That said, to do the deeper dive stuff, right? Because the, the feedback that I had, one of my very favorite guests, a guy named Robbie Siegel, uh, number one of 150 in medical devices. And the story is awesome because he was a VP of sales for 10 years. And they decided, I'm traveling too much. I want to spend more time with my family. I'm going to take this patch in my backyard and, and prove that what I've been telling everybody. So, so Keenan, here's how we bring it together. I want to go and show that what I've been saying is real. Like, I'm not just a talking head. I can actually go do this. And in two years, he became number one of 150, like $6 million in sales or something like that in, in medical devices and absolutely crushed it. And super humble guy, spends a lot of time with his family, works out, you know, finds a way to get all the rest of it done. But at the same time, he said to me, Scott, I don't, I don't have time to write a book. You know, I'm in the field. I'm making this happen. So I, I think you have to find ways. You have to find the right balance. I would say when you're telling that story, pick a channel, right? Don't feel like you've got to be the best at every social channel, like LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. No, find the one you like the best. I like LinkedIn. I do LinkedIn. You know, I do a little bit of Twitter, but, you know, LinkedIn's my thing. So I, I think you have to kind of find what connects with you the best. And then obviously for, for me, the podcast, and I, I've totally geeked out on that. And I, I love it. And I've figured out how to kind of streamline the back end and make it all work. Can you say the name of that guy who, who, who doubled the sales and he's, he's got a blog or whatever he's got? Kyle Gutzler, G-U-T-Z-L-E-R. G-U-T-Z-L-E-R, Gutzler? Gutzler. All right, I want to go look him up. What podcast was that on your show? Do you remember? No. Uh, so if you right, go to top1.fm forward slash Kyle, I try and put everybody's first name. That should get you right to it. I'm going to look up Mr. Gutzler because that sounds cool because he's smart. I can't yes. tell you enough, people. Start building a brand. We are in the show me economy. The tell me economy is dead. All right, so... You, you let's go a little further in this talking head expert thing versus the person doing thing, right? So 
you said something that you feel a lot of the information people are sharing is too old, is, is outdated. Is that really true? Because I'm not sure that sales has changed much. I think the, the, the surface layers changed with the tools and things like that, but the fundamentals haven't changed at all. I think it depends on like what level of fundamentals we're talking, right? Okay. So I, I think that if you, if you go back 10 years ago, there were, I don't know, three channels. Like you had the phone, maybe you sort of had email, you had face-to-face, -face, yeah, yeah, we have a fax. Yeah, knocking <laughs> on doors, you go back far right. enough, yeah, right? I, I think today in particular, the, the challenge is, and I work with marketers, I've been watching marketers struggle with this for the last number of years, is the proliferation of challenges and the proliferation of uh, uh, just the volume of communication. And it's causing people to shut down. It's harder to break through. I mean, the way I think about it is, and I, I used to think about this in, in the way that I talk about Twitter, but I, I think it applies to a lot of things. It's sort of like, I'm going to go into a stadium and everybody's screaming. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody wants to get attention. And I put on noise canceling headphones and wrap my head up. So I don't, I don't want to hear any of that, but I'm going to then go shout and try and get the attention of other people. <laughs> That's different, right? That, and it's getting worse. And so I think that the ways that you have to break through, and, and that's why I love the conversations that I have with the SDRs that I interview. Because I, I think from a prospecting perspective, right? I mean, there's, there's lots of steps to the sales process, right? But the, the one that people tend to struggle with the most is prospecting and getting in the door and getting the opportunity to go through the rest of the process, right? And so I think you can learn the most from uh, an SDR that's killing it and really dissecting what are they doing because they're doing it all day, every day, right? Versus others who, if you've got to run, a, a, you're managing a full territory and you're full cycle, I got to go get the appointment. I got to go do the demo. I got to go close the deal. I got to do everything else. You don't get to prospect for 40 hours a day, every day. These guys do or 40 hours a week. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I totally agree with you. All right, so let's move on to this one. You've, you've talked to, I think, 35, at least one percenters of top folks so far in the podcast. So I'm sure you're seeing some trends. You're seeing what's going on. What has been the biggest surprise? In other words, what is the thing that top one percenters do or the top one, yeah, what the one percenters do. I should want my one percenter t-shirt. Anyways, the top one percenters do that surprised you that you didn't see coming. Um, they do them. So what, what I mean by that is there's, there's no set formula, right? There, it's not like, oh, well, after listening to 37 of these interviews, like that, I've got it perfectly done as the thing. I think they've all sort of gone through a process to figure out who they are, what, what the unique great things are about them. And then they've figured out how to just totally double down on those things. So it, it's interesting. I'm getting ready to add, I don't want to give away the, the secrets. I've got an upcoming interview that's, that's fascinating with a guy from a very large kind of fortune. I don't remember the number, but this is kind of top 20 type of organization. And he's like, yeah, I just ignored all of the stuff that they were trying to get me to do, right? Because when you're a big company, there's, you got to jump through 8,000 different hoops. He's like, screw all the hoops. I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to just go do the work. And while everybody else was dying and didn't have pipeline, he had pipeline for days and just blew everybody out of the water. So, you know, I, I think that you have to figure out what is you, what is the process that works for you and just do a bunch of that. You, you have to be the best version of yourself and double down on that. And that's what I didn't see coming. I, I thought I'd see, 
I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a fascinating experience and it's, it's certainly ongoing. So the idea of just do you and pick a lane, right? Pick a lane and stay in that lane. Well, for sure. And, and you, again, you can't do it all. It's, it's just like the, the social thing, right? Like you can't be everything on every social channel if you are going to put it out there and create content and, and do this stuff. So pick one and do that one thing really well. So I, I think it really just comes down to, it comes down to that. I mean, I, I did a webinar with, uh, with the folks at Vidyard a while back about their, their Viewdit platform, which I think is fantastic. And, you know, one of the guys on there, he's like, yeah, I write songs for my prospects. Okay, well, if, if that's you and you can do that, write songs for your prospects. That's awesome. They respond <laughs> like crazy. Damn straight. You know, yes. You know why they respond, right? Because it's different. Because it's about them. Because you actually spent the time. Okay. You spend the time, doesn't matter, because people spend the time writing a boring email and it doesn't get their attention, right? <laughs> it's about them, doesn't matter, because people spend all this time focusing on them. It was different. I talk about this all the time. I actually put something up recently. There's a psychological thing behind it. Our brain reacts to there's something in our brain called the oh shit circuit. It's part of the ACC, the anterior cingular cortex. And that sets the trends in our brains so that because all this information we can't store and be conscious of, right? So subconsciously, our brains start to create trends that we can ignore. I know this, I know this, I know this, you can ignore it, you can ignore it. But if all of a sudden, something different that's not the norm triggers you, it breaks the trend, your brain goes, oh shit, oh shit, what's that, what's that? And it forces you to look. So this guy, by playing the guitar, breaks that trend, it breaks that structure that they're used to. Like, I've never seen this then of course it has to be credible. It has to have all that stuff, but that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. So here's my question. How do these people decide or figure out what is their lane or what is their thing? Yeah. You know, I don't know that I've dug into that in a ton of detail. My, my assessment is one, they've got a really good awareness of themselves right? They, they know who they are. They're, they're very self-aware and they surround themselves with people that help them become aware of what those things are, yeah. right? So for example, you know, I, I had a great conversation. So Colin Spector, a guy at, uh, uh, oh, I'm, mix, I'm, I'm mixing up companies, so I'm not going to call it out. Um, what he did, so they're, they're in the HR space and he, brand new in the industry, he got in there rather than spending a lot of time doing all of the traditional onboarding work to learn all about their products and the features and the functions. He spent all of his time trying to figure out his customers. So he would interview them and was, I mean, at first he was doing stuff on, uh, on Quora anonymously, just ask, people in that ecosystem to help understand the last time you bought this type of a solution why did you change you know what were the factors that were influencing your decision right and I think anytime you have those conversations you know we we lose sight of the value that uh, I'm, I'm gonna say the magic word here Keenan the the value of the relationships that we have bring right is yeah. is you know just just closing a customer, like that's not the end of it, right? If you've built a relationship and you've got credibility, you can go back to that person and dissect what worked. What was, what was it about what we did together that had you choose me, that had you work with me and my company, 
you know, or maybe you lost a deal. Can you go back and say, hey, look, like I'm, I'm not going to push you or anything else. I just want to understand. I want to get better. You know, what was the gap? And you, you just have to have conversations. You have to talk to people. You have to surround yourself with others who can show you where your blind spots are and say, hey, Scott, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about like doing more of that? You know, again, sometimes we don't see it ourselves. So you've got to ask people and that's, Keenan, I know you're a huge fan of coaching, right? You've got to get the coaches, yes. you've got to get the mentors, you've got to surround people, you surround yourself with people who are going to keep an eye out for you and help you to identify those things and those areas where, man, you've got a huge opportunity here. You are great at this, double down, go. You know, what I love about what you said, okay? So it's awesome. I hope everybody really took notes on that whole piece, right? But if I were to be able to encapsulate that into what really matters is these people are taking ownership for their job, right? They're not just doing their job. A lot of us just do our job. We get up, we're supposed to make cold calls, we make cold calls. They told them to make it this way, we made them this way. They told us to make this many, we made that many. We might push ourselves a little out and, and try something a little different once in a while, but in the end, we just do what we're told to do or what we're expected to do. These cats said, look, I've got a responsibility of selling so much and I'm not as successful as I want to be yet or I haven't had the success I want or maybe there's another way to do this. And so they said, let me go do something different. Let me try something else. Let me step out of the box. That's all owning your job. So if I had to, like, if I was writing a book on this, one of the things I would say is one percenters own their job. They don't just accept what's given to them. They, they, they re-engineer it. They don't say, here's your job, do this, do this, do this, and get here. They start the other way. They say, here's your job. You got to get here. And they say, okay, I'll re-engineer that back to what I think I need to make it happen. That's brilliant. Absolutely well, brilliant. Two things on that point, right? So one book that has come up pretty frequently and, and certainly one that has had probably the biggest impact on me in the last two or three years is a book called Extreme Ownership. And it's exactly that, right? Written by Jocko Willink, former Navy SEAL commander. I mean, ultimate badass. This guy is amazing. And the whole book, it's really a leadership book, but at the end of the day, it's a self-leadership book because it all comes down to when, when you lead, you are ultimately responsible. Well, I may be an individual contributor, right? But I lead from the field, right? I lead yeah. my clients. I lead deals, right? I lead my team in, in what we're doing. So taking ownership of that also, my very first guest was the number one uh, account manager at LinkedIn. And he's doing, we've got, and we'll talk about this later, we've got a sales success summit coming up here in, in Austin in May. He's doing a presentation about treating your job and treating your career like a franchise. And it's, that, Love it. that's the point, right? It's owning it. So if you are going to own your success and own your results and not put that on somebody else, it's on you. Well, what does that mean? What do you do? How do you take ownership in that way? Love it. A absolutely love it. That is so critical. And you see that across, not just salespeople, right? You see it across any one percenter. I'm a Patriots fan, right? Tom Brady is arguably going to get out as the best quarterback of all time. And what has he done? He's created an entire eating and nutrition and, and health process that he that's outside of the norm that he believes helps him get there. What did um our boy way back in the day, Walter Payton, you're old enough to remember Walter Payton, right? Maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe. You don't remember Walter Payton? <laughs> maybe not. Oh my gosh, football. I am really sure I'm age. Walter Payton was the number one running back until Emmett Smith beat him. 
He was it. Anyways, he was known because he had this hill in his backyard. He was the first running back to have this whole regiment of running up a hill every day at a certain pace. Now all the guys try to do it, have him in their backyard and build him. But Peyton was the number one guy to do that. So he stepped out of what the norm was and tried to make other things happen. So that, that you, you've nailed it. It's not just salespeople. So here's another question for you. What are the three selling traits of top sellers that, yes, that you've discovered? Three top selling traits. Define trait for me. It could be anything. It could be grind. It could be intelligence. It could be, pro it could be a process. They all do a particular process. So it could be trait. It could be anything that differentiates the three. Oh, let me phrase it then. The three things they do that most people don't do. How's that? Okay. So I'd say the first thing and, and one of the biggest themes that, that really came out, and I don't know that I was wildly surprised by it, but, but it was interesting in, in the nuance. The first is they believe and they believe in several things, right? First, they believe in their solution. You know, if, if, you, don't, if you don't have that belief, if you don't think, yeah, this is going to help my client, and people have a sixth sense about that stuff, right? Like going back to credibility and everything else. Like if, if you don't believe it, there's no way on earth that you're going to be able to tr transfer belief if, if you're faking it. So you've got to believe in your, in your solution. I mean, I, I interviewed uh, uh, Josh Muller, one of the top sales guys for, for years, sold millions of dollars at Cutco. We're talking like one set of knives at a time. This guy sold millions. So he knows a thing or two uh, about this. And he says, look, if, if, you, if you're not selling world-class, like, go somewhere else. Like you, yeah. Because if you, can't, if you can't believe, there's so many great things out there to sell. If you think what you're selling crap, don't, why? Why are you doing that? Stop it. Go away. There's plenty of sales jobs out there, right? So you got to believe in the solution. But probably more importantly, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in your process. And that, that'll take us to the next thing, right? You, you've you've got to know when I do these things, these are the results that I get, right? And so that that's the other big thing is they've developed a process for Ooh. themselves. Ooh. It may not be, it may not be a traditional sales process, though many of them are, you know, we, we've talked about med pick a number of times on the show and just having that type of a way that you're managing your deals and managing your opportunities. That's good. But I, I think more importantly, you need to have sometimes a lot of different processes in, in terms of the way that you may, how do you manage your day? How do you manage a deal? How do you manage a call? You know, just all of those things and having all of that dialed in and where you just go, that really makes a, a, a pretty significant uh, difference. And then I, I think the last thing is, is um, mentors. And I mean both sides of mentors. And this has been really interesting, especially the last couple of episodes that I've done. Um, and, and what's fascinating here, I sort of broke my rule, but not really in, in terms of, of the number one. And, and here, let me tell you what's going on here. One of the things that I always sort of qualify for on the front end, and I've never interviewed anybody on the show who was number one last year because they got lucky. Right? Like, oh, you hit the sales lottery and you walked into a mega deal, but you were crap before that and you haven't done anything since, not interested. Right? And unless you know how to like repeat the sales lottery wins, maybe I'll talk to you then. 
but then you'd be number one again, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> right? Yes. But, but here's what's interesting. So uh, Dana Lehman, Trey Simonton, these, these are very recent episodes. Both of them, uh, it, certainly in the case of Trey, was never like in a single year the number one, but his sales leadership said, this is the number one guy because he's consistent, right? Yeah. Because he's been in the top three for three, four years in a row, right? It's, it's that consistency and it's he contributes to the broader organization. It's bringing not just, you know, I, I think like a, a true A player isn't just the numbers they put up on the board. It's what else do you bring to the organization? How do you help the others around you get better? Right. And so Dana and Trey were both that. And from a mentoring perspective, they had a lot of mentors, but maybe more importantly, they talked a lot about the mentoring that they did. Because the fascinating thing about being a mentor is oftentimes you learn more and you become more accountable because you can't go to somebody and say, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z and then turn around and not be doing those things. So it's, it's really, it shines a bright light and a mirror on yourself to really look at what am I doing? And, and so that's, that's where we start to get into this idea of coaching and, and making a bigger contribution to the organization and giving back in a, in a more meaningful way beyond, well, not more meaningful, but, but beyond the, the dollars. You know, so this is interesting and, and it's got me thinking, how much of this is innate like how much of this is just people? So if all of these people who are top one percenters happen to get into engineering or happen to get into accounting, would we be saying that they're still the top one percent? Like how much of this is just, this is who they are. These people just excel at what they do. It's a good question. I, I think that at some level, of course, there's some wiring that, that's there that's innate, but they all spend a lot of time and have been very thoughtful about the way that they develop themselves, right? They go and learn and they look for those gaps and, and they try to understand, you know, Justin Bridgemahan uh, had him on super early. He reads all kinds of psychology books, you know, he yes. not a lot of stuff about sales, like, yeah, sales yes. stuff is great. Read about psychology, read about negotiation. How choose. Yes. That's exactly it. That's exactly yes. it. So yes, but being innate, it, it won't get you there if you're not doing the work and you're not sharpening the ax. So, you know, I, I didn't even have this a question, but I, and we may not even be able to figure this out, but I'd like to figure out how we cross that bridge, right? So, look, a lot of the people listening here, I want to believe that they want to be good. And maybe some of you really are. Maybe some of you are freaking great. And, and so if you're one of the best, then it doesn't matter to you. But if you're those people middle of the pack and you've been middle of the pack or top third, middle third, whatever it is, your whole career, why? Like, why are they unable to cross that bridge? Why are they unable to, to, to think, think like these people? Think in those terms. Like, but I have, oh, it's in my other bookcase, right? Grab it. Just like this general psychology, I thought one time about 15, 20 years ago, I was like, hey, the idea of buying something is a psychological thing. It's, it's, it's people have, are influenced by decisions. I make bad decisions and good decisions all the time. How do I make decisions? So one day I said, hey, let me find out how people make decisions. Instead of reading books on how people make choices, just so I could understand that and see how that could carry over. 
why don't other people think like that? Like, how, how do we help them cross that bridge? Or, or is there a way it's just they either do or they don't? It's, it's happenstance. So I ask two questions of every guest, and, and I should probably assemble these because I, I think the answers are our goal, and I haven't gone back and, and done that. But I always ask, what's the advice that you would give to somebody that's just starting out in sales to lay that foundation and get to the top? Right. But the other question that I ask that's probably more interesting is what's the advice that you have for somebody that is, they're good, but they're not great. Right. Maybe they're making their number. Maybe they're missing their number. Right. How do you go from that to, to get to the top? And I, I think it starts with, well, you've got to have the drive and the desire. But something that Dana said recently, and I'm thinking about um, David Weiss, first of all, you've got to this, this has to be a career. This has to be a profession. If this is just your job, if you're just doing this to, to pay the bills and put food on the table, can you're I never going to, you're can never going to get there. Word? Can I give you another word for profession? Go for it. Cause I don't even think it's a profession. It has to be a craft. Yeah. It has to be a craft, right? When we accept something as a craft, there's a level of ownership we have on it that we normally don't in other things. And I know people have quote unquote professions that never look at it like a craft ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. So that's interesting. All right. Keep going. This is good. Yeah. But I, so I, I think it's that, right? It's, it's treating this like it matters, treating it like a craft. And if you're going to act in that way, then you're going to do the work. You're, you're going to be mindful of where those gaps are. You're going to go learn. You're going to listen to my show. You're going to hear from the best and figure out what are they doing and what parts of it apply to me and go do that. You know, you, you have to act on it. And I, I think that's the other trap that I see a lot of places. I see a lot of people that read a lot of sales books. If you don't do anything with that knowledge, what, what's, what's the point? So, you know, what's interesting. One of the things I, lo I, I think I'm in sales other than I was, I think I was, has some natural proclivity to it, but I'm a problem solver. I live in the problem. Like I love video games. I don't like to shoot them up games. Generally speaking, I love the strategy games. I love the game to say, okay, here's the situation. Go figure it out. You think I'd be good at math. I suck at math, but I'll say you think I'd be good at it. Cause that's what that's about. But, and so I look at my world like that, like my, and I have built this whole mindset for 50 years that everything's a problem. So when you put me in a job and say, you've got to go make a million dollars this year and here are your tools, I start doing it. And then I start realizing, well, hey, I don't think I'm going to get that million dollars right now. Or I think I could get a million point two if I could figure something else out. So I start asking questions. What if this? What if that? Hey, this is different. I didn't anticipate this. What does this mean? And how about you have to have a level of intellectual curiosity and you have to have a level of, of what is the problem facing me and how can I solve this problem better than anybody else? And I, I think if you lack intellectual curiosity and if you are not problem centric, in other words, you literally don't frame everything as a problem. You don't go looking to solve it. Right? So, I think that may have something to do because think about all the things you said, right? That, that these people are doing, they're, they're creative solutions to the same problem that everybody else is trying to solve or let me rephrase it, isn't even trying to solve. It's just accepting as, as status quo. And these folks are like, well, I think I could solve this a little better, right? They're yeah. like, yeah. So it's interesting, right? It's everybody's running around spears trying to figure out how to throw the spear better. And some guy says, well, wait, a spear punctures the system. I wonder if there's a better way to puncture the system. 
right? And next thing you know, that guy came up with a gun, right? Because he didn't just accept that the spear was all he had or she had. So I think there's a level of intellectual curiosity and problem-centric thinking that most people don't have. Well, and along those lines, I mean, I think one of the other really big themes is I, I think the, the stereotype that you probably have in your head right now about what the top 1% person is and is doing in the way that they're thinking is probably not who they are in the way that they actually think. I, I have found them to be extraordinarily empathetic. I, I've actually found that about half somewhere in that neighborhood are actually introverts. So in a lot of ways, they're not fitting these traditional stereotypes, but they do care incredibly about their customer and the results that they see. And so there's, there's this empathetic thing. And I think that's why on, on International Women's Day today, I just featured the, the 10 women that have been on my show. I, I think that that empathy and the approach that they take um, to work with their customers. And, and again, it's selling is not something that you do to someone. It's something you do with them and really taking that on and ask those questions of your customers. You know, cause if you're not curious, so Debbie Rapson um, is the queen of discovery. And so she's got this great process where before she's going to, even begin selling anything, she is asking tons of questions from different angles, from different people in the organization to understand, you know, and once you understand, then you can start to formulate the solution rather than here's my crud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a little more. So you, you, we talked about those things that make them different. One of them you said is this idea of creating your own process. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. And in the hiring process, particularly for leaders, I challenge people to ask them to show what they've done. So when I left my very last job before I came and started a sales guy, uh, started a sales guy, I had tons of processes that I had created to hire, to coach, to evaluate, like literally things that were mine, like physical, tangible. Like someone said, hey, show, how do you, if someone had said to me, hey, Keenan, how do you help reps manage territories? Like, oh, let me show you. I have a territory management plan. Boop, 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 that I created in that job, either because the company didn't have one or because the one they had, I thought was a piece of shit and I didn't like it, so I created my own. So uh, tell us, how do people begin to even start thinking or what should they do to start creating their own processes? What should they look for? How do they get in the mode to be their own CEO, if you will, start building their own processes? Well, let me, let me tell you about one of the things I do and, and a process that I've been working on for the better part of the last 10 years because it, it never ends. But I, I think the first process you need to work on is how do you stay organized? How do you manage and structure your day? Right. So I have a sequence and it's a checklist that lives in Evernote. And even though I know everything on that list, it's still a box that I go through and I check every morning and I flush my email accounts and they go to inbox zero and I, and things move into folders where I can then act on them. And it's basically a triage process, right? What's on my calendar today? What is, and I'll confirm all those appointments because if one of those things isn't really going to be on my calendar today, I want to know in the morning so that I can make productive use of that time later versus sitting on a call for 10 minutes going, oh, shoot, they didn't show up and, and wasting uh, an hour and wasting that mental energy, right? And then once you understand that, looking at, okay, what does my pipeline look like? 
what can I do on these deals today to move them forward, right? Making sure I understand those things. And you're just prioritizing the activities. So I think you have to have, chunk it down. You don't have to figure out the process for everything. Figure out the process for the thing that is going to have the biggest impact, whether that's structuring your day or the process for the way that you prospect. When do you do it? How do you do it? You know, just being really, really dialed in in each of those things, being dialed in for a discovery call. Okay, how do you prep for that? Right? What is the process you go through? Do you send an agenda beforehand? Just understanding what all of those pieces are, having them written down so that you're not reinventing the wheel every time. Like, oh, I and pull out why, my right? discovery call process, right? And why? Should they not include the why? why with all, with all of it. With all of it, right? And I think it starts with the why, right? Like, or, or maybe it starts with what, right? What is the biggest pain that I have in the way that I'm working today? Like, what isn't working? Then you ask, why isn't this working? And then you're figuring out, okay, great. Now, how do I solve for that? How do I fix that? And again, don't think you have to go figure this all out on your own. Get some help. Enroll your sales manager. Enroll your peers. Figure this out. I'm doing a whole bunch of this stuff right now in, in my existing organization because we're trying to be better about the way that we manage our, our accounts, right? So that we drive more revenue and drive more benefit and value to them. Mm -hmm. um, I was downside to active listening when you're an interviewer. You forget your next question because you're so actively <laughs> listening. Um, and all about this. I know, right? right? So <laughs> how, how, how how did those who were successful know what to do different? How did they realize, hey, this is what I should be doing. This is the direction I should go. How did they know that was the right direction? You know, I, I think it's, it's really about testing. You know, you, you know when it works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to maybe I mentioned before, maybe I didn't. Florin Tatulia was probably my favorite SDR interview. Because one, just actionable things you can do out the wazoo. I mean, it was such just a, a great episode from that perspective. But he's a really analytical guy and he was measuring everything. And so he could tell you the most effective tool that I have in my tool belt is the phone because this, 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 right? But he also knew that it wasn't the phone in isolation. It was the phone in combination, right? The phone works, but I also have to do LinkedIn and email and a video and, you know, whatever else those other things were. You just have to go do it. And, and I think that that's a trap. This, this was a trap that I had massively early in my career. I wanted to talk to a lot of people. I wanted to figure this out. I wanted to figure out the best way. But at some point, you just have to do things and you have to learn what works and what doesn't work. All the answers aren't in a book. At some point, you're going to have to go do the work and, and you're going to get there by understanding this works, this doesn't work. And you have to do enough repetitions that, that you've got a, a statistical sample size, right? I can't pick up the phone, make 10 phone calls and not reach anybody and go out. Ah, that doesn't work. Like, no, no, it's going to take a couple of more repetitions than that for you to really figure out if, if this is the right thing. So, you, you know, you, you can almost treat this scientifically, right? And, and David Weiss at ADP, let me, let me tell you about David. So David at ADP, they have this thing where if you blow your number out for a while, 
they'll come to you and say, hey, we've got a deal for you. Um, we've got this thing called the Elite Quota Carriers Group. And basically, they sell you on this idea of giving you a huge freaking number and, and giving you some extra recognition and perks along the way. So they did that to David. And David did 220% of that number. So David is awesome. And he believes that sales is a science, right? He believes that there is a formula to the success. So I think you can essentially apply the scientific method. Like what's the hypothesis? What am, what am I trying to test? What are the tactics I'm going to use? How am I going to measure it? And then you, again, you have to do it long enough or do enough repetitions to know whether or not that thing's actually going to work, going to work. And then look at the results and go, okay, did that work? Didn't that work? What's the next hypothesis? And that's how you grow, right? You have to continue to evolve. It's not this one thing or the thing that was working and always worked for me four years ago. It doesn't work anymore. Okay, well, what are you doing different? What are you trying? How are you continuing to iterate and grow and build? If you're not doing that, especially in this day and age, you're toast. <laughs> truth, truth. So do you believe or have you gotten the impression that there are... No, let me ask it this way. What percentage of the sales space do you believe is inflexible and stuck in their ways and that's preventing them from getting to the next level? I don't, I don't know because I don't sample the, the general sales population, right? What I do know right now is the percentage of quota attainment is scary and, and getting worse. And I, I mean, I, I talked to somebody yesterday and he made me promise I wouldn't tell what company we were talking about, but this is a large Fortune 500 technology company. And he said, Scott, last year, 10% of the salespeople in this organization made their number. Ooh. Ooh. So, but he, here's the question though. Like, is that 100% on salespeople? I don't believe in that. No. Either, right? I, I think that there's inflexibility yes. of the organization and yes. the way that they're thinking. So yes. here, here's the thing. And here's the challenge. If you're a sales leader to think about this, knowing that the best of the best are doing the best version of them and not running the same recipe that everybody else is. They have to be different. You can't just give them a recipe. You have to help them develop their own system. It comes back to coaching. You've got to help them figure out what are those things that are going to differentiate them and, and help them get attention and, and increase their close rate that aligns with them. I'll tell you, the, the worst, not the worst, one of the poor sales managers I had, he was the smartest guy on the planet. He knew the way it needed to work. Right. So instead of what I need is here's my idea. Here's my hypothesis. Here's how I want to tackle this. I need you at that point to shine that thing. Right. Like it's pretty close. We just need to get it to fit because that's me. That that fits who I am. His approach was, no, that's wrong. That's out of here. You have to do it this way. That way, stylistically, was never going to work for me. Mm -hmm. And so it was, a, it was an abysmal failure and that relationship didn't work. So I think you have to be mindful of how do you help people grow? How do you create an opportunity for yourself to grow? Keenan, you asked me before we got on this thing, he's, you said, hey, how's your company dealing with all this? Like you're doing a podcast and you're doing an event, you're doing all that stuff. I set all of that up 
before I even got hired. I set all of those expectations around, these are the things I'm going to do. These are the things that I'm going to work on. I'm committed to, you're the number one priority. I will produce these results, right? If any of that ever becomes a challenge, we're going to have words. <laughs> but as long as all of that's happening, I get to do the, the other things that drive me. And the reality is, I mean, with, with what I'm doing, I, I get better every day because of, of what I'm learning and who I surround myself with. Cause I don't only have conversations with these guys on the podcast, right? There's a lot of other coaching and, and great conversations that happen as I've got a challenge. I'm like, Oh God, I don't know what to do about this. Well, I've got three guests that I know have crushed that. I'll just call them up and we'll figure out like, Hey, here's what I'm dealing with. How do I, how do I get through this? And you're about to have a kick-ass quarter, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, if, if this works out, so I should hit my number for the quarter uh, tomorrow's Friday, tomorrow. Uh, and and if, if things continue on the path that, that they're on, we'll, we'll have a million-dollar quarter. See, see, see what happens. This shit works. This shit works when you start surround yourself with smart people. Um, all right, well, look, in the last few uh, minutes here, I'm ask uh, if anybody has a question, uh, put it in there, and I'll, and we'll, I'll ask it of, of Scott, or we'll tackle it. Um, real quick, Daniel High, I hope I got that right, High, uh, asked, any psychological, psychology book recommendations? I, go and, and look up the episode with Justin Bridgemahan. Um, again, top1.fm forward slash Justin should do it. Otherwise, just put it in the, in the search on top1.fm. Uh, he, he made a couple of recommendations that are in there. Awesome. Top1.fm. It's the Sales Success Podcast. You can find it there. Um, one of my favorite ones and where I got the stuff from my cold calling methodology around being intriguing is Jonah Lair's How We Decide. Um, a phenomenal book, but FYI, about four years after I read the book, he got his hand slapped by a giant ruler. I guess he plagiarized some of the information. So uh, the information's still legitimate. He just claimed it was his when it wasn't his or didn't give the right citations. Or I don't know how the hell it went down. Still a phenomenal book, but How We Decide and how all that works and how you can use that to prospect and how you can use that because it's not a sales book, but I quickly was able to adapt it for um, prospecting and connecting with customers and getting them to pay attention to me. So um, there's, there's that, there's that. Um, someone asked, Lance asked, what is the best way to determine what to blog about, what to make a video about and what to achieve on the selected social channel? I'm not quite a one percenter type thing, but do you want to tackle that, Scott? Well, let, let me start, but I, I think you're crushing it on, on LinkedIn, especially in the, in the last week. So I'll, I'll probably let you dig into that. You know, I think the most relevant thing you can do, let, let me tell you what, what I'm doing in my day-to-day -day role from a kind of content social perspective. I started another podcast. So about two years ago, I, I started a show called Inspired Marketing. And I only interview, so again, marketing has the same challenges that sales does, right? There's tons of vendors trying to hawk their stuff and everybody's a thought leader and all of this stuff. What the marketers care about is what are other practitioners doing that's actually working. So everybody that I interview on that show, um, many of them are customers, but they're all kind of in this space. So they work in kind of the Oracle marketing cloud space and are our customers. And we just talk about their success stories and what's working for them. Let me tell you a few, few things about that. First, when you're creating content from your audience or from your ideal client profile, it tends to be the perfect content for others in your ideal client profile. It is also the most powerful door opener I have ever found. I get about an 80% response rate because again, I reach out 
And it's, it's one of these like, Keenan, you're doing some amazing things with a sales guy. You know, I'd love to kind of highlight and tell that story. I've got this podcast. Can we set up an interview? Nobody says no to that. And we have about four conversations sort of leading up to that. We do a little bit of prep. We do the interview. And the magic of these interviews is, is all before and after the microphone gets turned on. <laughs> right? Because we'll wrap up the interview and they're like, okay, well, here's the thing I, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, on the record, but the real challenge is this, right? And so I've, I've pulled some significant clients from that touch point. Make, just make it relevant. Again, find what works for you. I love podcasting. It works for me. I found a way to do it really easily and sort of streamline the whole thing. And it becomes about other people and about their stories. And that's powerful stuff. Yeah, Kino, why, like why don't it. you talk about why don't you talk about LinkedIn and and you've got more ideas on this I'm sure. Well, I mean I don't know. To me, LinkedIn is just a channel. I'm not doing anything on LinkedIn that I wasn't doing on YouTube or not still doing on YouTube that I wasn't doing in my blog when I started in 2009 that I wasn't doing on Twitter in you know in 2009. I mean, LinkedIn is just a platform. For me, I simply said I want to increase my awareness in the marketplace about what I know about running and developing sales teams. And when I started it, it was so that if I ever needed a job, I wouldn't have to do the, the old way and send my stupid resume out. I might have a thousand or 2000 people that have been reading the blog and knew how I did the things that sales leaders do. So when anybody would say, well, tell me how you manage teams or tell me how you develop a salesman. Hey, fuck you, go read it. I mean, I've been talking about it for two years, right? So I, the whole idea was if I had all that in paper, I could just, and I needed a job, I could write in the blog, hey, I'm looking for a new opportunity. Kind of like Coca Sexton and his hire Coca campaign. That was sort of my logic. Well, okay, that turned into a sales guy and that's a different story, but that's where I was going. So when I tell people about building a brand or what to blog or write about, ask yourself, what are you good at? What do you want to teach people? That's just the start, the start there. What do you want to teach people? And just be careful because whenever you start teaching them is what they're going to associate you with. So if you start teaching people about knitting and you're a salesperson <laughs> and you get a huge following on knitting, you're probably not going to have much luck getting your next sales job, but you might be actually be able to become a professional knitter and get a job that way. So just be very careful. Whatever it is you teach people becomes your brand. So that's what I tell people. Now, what to teach them? I, I can't tell you that. You have to ask yourself, what do you want to teach people and how deep do you want to go? And, and the last thing I'll add is figure out what you can commit to basically forever, right? The, yes. reason, the reason I only release new podcast episodes every two weeks is because weekly would kill me. I yes. don't have time. I know that I can't sustain that. I might be able to do it for a little while, <clears throat> but at some point I'm going to fall off. So figure out, again, what's that one channel and when are you going to do it? What is the frequency that you know you can commit to for the long term for years? I mean, if, if you look at any of this stuff, any of these overnight success stories are typically 10 years in the making. So at least start your journey today, knowing it's going to take 10 years. Okay. So I got one for you. I got one for you. And then I have one more question on here, but here's one. So as you said, um, uh, as you referenced, LinkedIn is blowing up for me, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views and, you know, thousands and thousands of comments and blowing up and I'm loving it. There are people who fly in everyone's trolls who come in and say, why should I listen to you, Keenan? I saw your profile. You haven't sold shit in, you know, you know, you haven't been an individual contributor in 15 years. Why should I listen to you? 
So straight, do you believe that if you don't do it every day, you can't bring value? And if so, why? Or if you do, how, how would you answer that question for people who will refuse to listen to somebody unless they're doing it every day? You trying to get me to solve this for you? Yes, so I'm not an idiot. I, See, I, I think take your advice. Here's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have advice. I don't think that, I don't think it doesn't count. I still consume lots of other sales content, right? I still read the books and, and listen to other podcasts and all of those things. I think you just have to take things with a grain of salt. You have to sort of look at and understand what is the motivation of that individual? What are they trying to do? What is their background? What I'm trying to do with the Sales Success Stories podcast is just bring another viewpoint and, and bring sort of that practitioner level view. Um, again, they're, they're just different. They're, they're not, one is not irrelevant. Uh, personally, I think one is maybe a little bit better than, than the other just because of the current relevant experience. But that doesn't mean that what the thought leaders are, are sharing is irrelevant. You just have to be mindful of the source. Like, do, do you trust them? Who else listens to them? Does, is, does this matter? And be critical of the thoughts, right? They're a thought leader, right? So think about what their thoughts are. Do you yes. agree with them? Do you not agree with them? Is there something that there that you can build a hypothesis based on and go test and see, hey, Keenan, I tried what you said and it didn't work. Here's what I did. I tell you what, I bet you'll build a better relationship with Keenan because you're actually listening and applying his stuff. And even if it didn't work, he'd probably say, hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And you're going to have a constructive conversation, not some freaking internet troll, whatever. So, yeah, so great advice, great advice. And yes, I was getting you to software, but also <laughs> I, want, I, I, was, I, I wanted to see if I could get you to say, would you take basketball lessons from Michael Jordan? Would you take basketball lessons from Larry Bird? Would you take basketball lessons from Magic Johnson? Those clowns haven't picked up a basketball in any competitive way in 20 years, right? But you damn straight, you are damn straight. Or better yet, would you take lessons from John Wooden? Men never played basketball, never played basketball. Would you take lessons from them, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing with, with sales leadership, right? Just because you were a great seller doesn't mean you're gonna be a great sales manager. We've seen that failure a thousand yes. times over. Yes, yes, amen, amen. Different skill sets. Yep, all right, so, uh, oh God, I'm sorry. Nabil Saeed, I hope I got it right, brother. Um, he wants advice for introverts. Do you think introverts could be great sellers and why? Yes, we're, we're running short on time. Nabil and anyone else, send me an email. Send an email to scott at top1.fm and do this. Tell me your role and a specific challenge or a question that you have, and I will point you at specific episodes. Awesome. So Nabil, I don't have them all off the top of my head, but I'm happy to point you at six or seven episodes that are absolute introverts who are killing it in sales, and, and you got to hear their stories. Yes, the answer is yes, you can kill yes. it. I agree. Sometimes I think, I think introverts do a better job because they're not so focused on building the shallow relationship about golf and I'm your buddy. They're very focused in what's at hand and solving the problem. So with that, folks, um, we are at the end of our time. Listen, um, my boy Scotty here, Mr. Ingram is putting on a dope-ass conference in Austin on May 7th and 8th. It's the um, Sales Success Summit. And a lot of these people that have been on his podcast are actually going to be the speakers. So if you can get to Austin, 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 are in Austin, near Austin, go. You can go sign up at, oh shoot, where can they sign up? 
They can go to top1summit.com and Keenan today, if they put in the referral code Keenan, they'll save 300 bucks. Boom, tomorrow, look at that. I'm worth $300 to you right now. I'm worth Tomorrow, you're worth 250 <laughs> So if, if you're listening live, you get, you get the bonus. And if you're, if you're listening to this Memorex, see, they're, they're, there's for the old guys. Uh, if you're listening oh, yeah. to this Memorex, that, that referral code is still worth 250 So top1summit.com, type in Keenan when you register. It will save you some money. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Well, listen, Scotty, this was dope. I really enjoyed it, my man. You laid it out for us. Look, folks. Being a one percenter, I'm so mad I didn't wear my become a one percenter t-shirt. I am just losing my game these days. But anyways, if you want to be a one percenter, you've heard it here. Pick your lane. Know what you're good at. Be creative. Come up with different approaches. Take ownership, extreme ownership for your gig. These are the things that they do differently. How they execute to those depends on their job, depends on their age, depends on their personality. Look, None of us, at least I'm not going to be playing guitar on a video for a vidyard for my clients. It ain't going to happen. Okay. So I can't, that's not transferable, but what is transferable is the ability to think in terms like that, the ability to think and find your own version of that. And that's, what's going to make you a one percenter. So folks, I hope you got a lot out of this. I want to, again, thank you, Scotty, my man. This was dope. I really appreciate it. Anything you want to leave folks with. No, I, I think we've done it. The, the only thing I'll say is, is do it, right? Pull out your phone right now. Look up the Sales Success Stories podcast in your podcast app or, or on, the, on the app store. I've got an app too. Uh, and, and subscribe. Listen, listen to this stuff. There's, there's gold in there. Yes, I, I agree. Look, folks, this is one, the one podcast that can't be replicated. Look, there's tons of me. Like there are no other Keenans, but we know there are, right? There are a lot of talking heads. You can listen to them. But there's one podcast where you get to hear the practitioners. So that sits all by itself. He's found a niche that, that we can't replicate. So go listen to the Sales Success Podcast. Listen to the practitioners. Practice what they preach and become a 1% of yourself. So with that, y'all, listen, the word. Thank you very much for joining. Our next one is in a couple of weeks with Lori Richardson. And that woman is a blast. So make sure you join us. You'll you follow me. You'll see it. So y'all know what I'm going to say. Until next time, peace. I'm out.